What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of Triple Threats Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Garcia, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special, special guest straight from Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Here we have Jared Oldsmith joining us today. How are you doing, Jared? I'm well. How are you, Garrett? I'm doing great. So how are you keeping up during things with this whole pandemic and everything since, you know, we're not back on Broadway, which can't do, have to be very safe with things. So how are you doing with that? For sure, I'm doing okay. You know, it's a it's a it's a weird time for everyone. I'm just trying to keep myself occupied and busy as much as I can. I'm doing a lot of writing, uh, writing some music, working on my musical. Uh, I've been I've been doing some auditions. I've been I've been doing my own singing, some TikToks, some video games, some Twitch. Uh, a lot of a lot of different kind of choose my own adventure uh, type of uh, activities, which has honestly been really fun and kind of freeing and, and cool to to kind of resettle and refocus. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 actually been a, a really interesting uh, few few months to it to a year now. That is that's good to hear that you're keeping yourself busy. And I know that you started acting as a little child. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I really began acting as a as a little child, like you were saying, uh, with a lot of a lot of Nickelodeon, Nick Jr. voiceovers. Uh, I did I did voiceovers in the Ant Bully, which was an animated movie uh, a while back. Uh, I did uh, I did some some extra work in, in Spider-Man 3. Uh, I did uh, commercials for, for Wendy's and, and Quaker Oats. Uh, so a, a lot of a lot of different uh, small acting gigs as a, as a kid that kind of introduced me to this world and, and kind of made me uh, interested in, in theater and doing community theater and, and middle school high school theater uh, to ultimately want to study theater and, and acting in college and, uh, and pursue it full-time as an adult. Uh, which I, I then got to do for for uh, a bit, at least um, uh, before this uh, this pandemic and everything, uh, and, and still am doing it. And, and and like I was saying, choosing my own adventure and kind of making my own opportunities uh, as I as I can. Right, right, right. So we have this this little picture of you in Spider Man. You're so little and in, in in the middle of such a big crowd. Now, did you yeah. actually did you get any screen time? There, I think, is a, is a time bit of screen time. I still do get, get residuals from Spider-Man 3 every, every year, which is so funny. Uh, I, I really think only, like, a piece of my hair or something made the final cut. There was a there was a line I had way back back when that, that was obviously cut from the uh, main editing floor or whatever, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I've watched it back probably a hundred times or more since, and I. It's very tough for me to, to find myself. Uh, there's like one shot in a newsstand where it's like me and a, a group of maybe three other kids. We're kind of there, and you can kind of see us a little bit. Uh, so I, I don't really know how it works, but um, it's it was a great experience nonetheless, and definitely one of those that you know in my in my younger childhood, only maybe like 10 years old, um, kind of. It was definitely a, a cool moment for, for me uh, as a kid and, and kind of seeing that people do it full time, you know, seeing people like Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and, and James Franco on the set, uh, you know, even from afar um, or from you know, a few feet away. It was, a, it was a very interesting experience for sure. Right, and it's really cool that you know that you were there. You know, you can tell all your friends, oh, I'm in this movie, look out for me, go to the movies and see me, everything yeah. like that. So that must have been a... 
Yeah, it's definitely a really, really cool, uh, cool experience. Like I was saying, I mean, even even today, you know, I, I remember walking back. That was in Madison Square Park, and and it was only a few weeks ago. I was I was walking through Madison Square Park, and I had my mask on, and I was looking around, being like, "Wow, I can't believe, uh, you know, it was like 12 years or 13 years ago, whatever it was, where I was like walking through the same park, and you know, there was a crowd of people, and it was a huge Spider-Man set, and and it was a it was like a big scene, uh, and it's just crazy how the times have changed, and uh, you know, like like you were saying, I was so tiny there, and you know. I'm, I'm still not a very big guy, but I, I I'm bigger than I was, and it's just uh, it's 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 just fun looking back and uh, and seeing how things have changed, um, and haven't in in many ways. Right. So yeah. And you also had a little modeling gig for uh, Quaker Oats. Um, we see that here. Yeah, this actually was attached to a commercial. There was a small commercial that aired with it. Uh, I don't think I had any lines in it, but it was kind of like uh, part of their campaign for the Quaker Oatmeal Bars. They were pretty yummy. I remember trying them uh, back then. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember like doing a whole weekend uh, out in, I think it was on, it was in Richmond on some soundstage. And, and it was like one day we were shooting the commercial and the other day was like a modeling kind of photo shoot day where they were getting pictures like that, you know, getting me excited, you know, basically bouncing out of the chair with a, you know, a mother and some referee kind of like holding our, our arms up. It was a very, very fun uh, experience. I remember there was like a child wrangler there who was kind of instructed to make sure like, you know, uh, I as the kid on, on the commercial was like happy, you know, whether I needed like some toys to play with or just, you know, a, a meal that I wanted. Uh, it was a very, th that was also a very, you know, one of those defining experiences, I think, as a, as a kid where, you know, seeing, oh, this isn't just a hobby or something fun I could do, you know, on, on the weekends as a kid. It's actually like a uh something that could be a career and could be a, a real lifestyle for for people you know seeing those adults working with adults and watching them really treat it uh seriously and uh professionally but also having fun at the same time uh you, you see that and it's uh when you're an impressionable child um it, it does leave a lasting impression i think yeah right now question did you get to take a bunch of boxes home after doing that or I recall, I, I must have, because I recall eating those in the weeks following that commercial, like, for a lot of different things. I recall, like, I did a community theater production of Oliver probably a few months later where I played Oliver, and it was, like, one of the things that I had to eat in, in a scene. Uh, so I, I, remember, I remember having the taste of those in my mouth for quite a, a while, and I liked them. Uh, they were pretty good. They had that, like, strawberry filling, and it's, like, the Quaker Oat Bar, so... I don't think that exact brand is still, or that exact style is still made, but you can definitely find similar cereal bars to that uh, wherever you go, yeah. And you also did, as a young child, a commercial for Wendy's. Now, was that at an actual Wendy's, or was that like... No, actually, this was that was a couple commercials. It was kind of a series. It was a campaign with this... Uh, unofficial Mr. Wendy spokesperson. This was probably back in like 2004. I was probably eight years old and it was actually filmed uh, in Queens at Silver Cup Studios, which I believe does still exist. Uh, and it was on a huge soundstage where they made up a Wendy's, uh, like a big old Wendy's um, on set, but they had people eating in the set. I remember like even the, you know, the, the, 
the the lunch breaks they would have and i i i think the protocols are all very different now with with covid19 uh in terms of eating on set but you know all the meals that were catered or you know the chefs they had on site people would eat in the actual restaurant the like real food and then when it was time to eat the wendy's prop food they would you know they would decorate it and like there were certain hamburgers that you couldn't eat because they were decorated in a special way for a close-up and then there were certain things you could eat um uh, I guess I'm going off on a tangent here, um, but I, uh, I I do re- recall that very specifically. Uh, uh, people eating in the fake Wendy's restaurant in a larger studio, so that was that was very fun. And uh, and yeah, I think also in that commercial there were like shots of the family in our home. And I think uh, ironically there was one that was like a, a a Nintendo campaign where it was like uh, you could win a, a free trip to Nintendo headquarters. Um, so. Uh, you know the. Uh, I think the funny thing is how how, how much I've I've learned to love Mario Kart and, and those types of games throughout the years. Uh, and literally, if you watch one of those commercials, there's one of me playing Mario Kart uh, in in like 2004. Even though I don't think we were actually playing, I think there was like a green screen over the TV and we were you know pretending to play. And then they added it later. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, I think it's it's just funny how that all kind of circles back. And I I still am <laughs> that guy playing Mario card several years later right and now so you were in a whole series of wendy's commercials because i was only yeah yeah i think you might be able to find another clip or two i don't know if they're on youtube or like some you know ad some commercial ad archive uh one um there 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 i'd say about three that i maybe shot and then maybe a fourth one that got slight spliced together from prior clips i'm not 100 percent sure where they are located but they exist in time somewhere uh, well, i'm pretty have, sure they yeah we have, we have one, one. right now uh, oh incredible so, see you <laughs> that looks good sure is you know when i was a kid i didn't get to choose what came in my kids meal why well it just came with fries they didn't offer those juicy little mandarin oranges why well that's just the way it was uh, didn't get to pick between chocolate milk white milk or soft drink maybe back then they didn't think you were capable of making an informed decision point taken wendy's kids meals now with new choices that make everyone happy Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! What a what a commercial! Um, I just, it really does. I, I remember the little the little Mandarin oranges just sitting there. It was like a close up. I had to like take a bite of them and uh, like put the spoon down. And uh, I remember the chicken nuggets were like propped up with like a piece of bread in the box to like make them really pop out of the the box because you know they they have to look like just so perfectly uh, you know positioned in the chicken nugget box. So now- it's so funny. Has anybody recognized you from these child acting um, little cameos you had here and there? Because you look the same. Yeah, I think some people have. Uh, you know, I, I I very much still feel like a kid inside, and I think some people will 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 look at those, you know, now and they'll be like, "Oh, that's so you!" Like even just the the way that kid is like looking, um, like with mannerisms. I I feel like I look more or less. Uh, you know, like the adult version of my childhood self. 
uh, I think it it, it kind of makes sense. You know, some people you look at them as a kid, and then you look at them as an adult, and you're like, oh wow, you uh you look nothing like you did when you were a kid. Uh, so I I don't know if people you know now are looking at me being like, you look like that kid from that commercial I saw 15 years ago. But uh, I I definitely I, I think whenever people do see that and they know who I am now, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so funny. Like that's clearly you as a baby, basically. Right, 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 right. Um, so as you mentioned before, you went to college and you said you Elon University in South That's Carolina. That's correct. In North Carolina, yeah. Right. Um, kind of kind of mid North Carolina. It's uh, it's outside of Greensboro, uh, about an hour from Raleigh, Durham. Um, really, really fantastic uh, arts programs and, and theater programs going on down there. Uh, it was kind of on my list as I was shopping for, uh, specifically I was interested in a BFA, a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in, in music theater. Um, I really wanted to kind of beef up on my singing, acting, dance chops. Uh, I, I think musical theater is kind of where I had found my passion from it was probably a year after that Wendy's commercial when I'd started going to a, a theater camp over the summer, um, which uh, it, it was located in upstate New York. It's, it still exists. It's called Stage Door Manor. And uh, that's really where I would uh, hone my, my craft as a youngster on uh, singing, acting, dance, and, and performing in musicals. I would perform in a musical every summer, and I went there for about 10 years. Uh, like right up until I, I went to college. Uh, it's where I met my best buddy Adam Quinn there um, and we're still friends. We, we still write together. We, we still have worked together on many many projects. Um, so that's that's been really awesome. Uh, uh, that had how I guess it all kind of snowballed into this this long journey of like you know doing little things as a kid and then going to summer camp and then deciding to kind of pursue musical theater and then you know getting into the college land. Uh, yeah, I, I went to Elon University uh, for to get my BFA, uh, it was a, a class of about 20 other students. Um, so it was very, very, very focused training, very, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, hands-on experience uh, and just really intense, uh, intense work and really kind of uh, specifying, you know, those, those habits uh, that I picked up and, you know, and learned uh, throughout summer camp and, and high school and performing in theater there, you know, really uh, shifting it, like I was saying earlier, from uh, not just a hobby but to a real career uh, uh, is, is what we kind of learn in, in college. You know, how do you do this for a living? Uh, how do you audition? Uh, because your job is to audition, things like that. Uh, and, you know, really, you know, getting technical training on, on voice and dance and, and acting uh, rather than just kind of go time, show time. Uh, so that was uh, a really, really special four years where I really grew tremendously. Um, and uh, and had space to grow, and uh, and following was able to start working uh, on a show called The Irvin Hansen just after shortly after graduating. Right, right, right. Now, was there anybody in your college classes that did ended up going on to Broadway? Oh yeah, yeah. One uh, there. Uh, I mean, I can I can just uh, let you know. Uh, uh, I went to to school in my specific class. Uh, there was a boy named Drew who actually left early to do a Broadway musical called Holiday Inn and was in The Prom and was in Mean Girls. Uh, another girl in my class, English, uh, uh, had also left. She uh, she went on to do Mean Girls on tour. Um, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Telsey, he also left to do Book of Mormon. Um, or after after graduating, he, he was in Book of Mormon. Uh, so there were a bunch of us there, um, a few other 
folks I'm trying to think of. Uh, some big TikTokers. JJ uh, Neiman was the year above me at Elon. Right. He was also in Book of Mormon on Broadway, big on TikTok. Right. And, and uh, uh, another boy named Fergie. He was in Hamilton after graduating on Broadway and on tour. And, uh, and Julian Brzezinski is also a really, really big TikToker now. He was a year above me. Also went to camp with me. Uh, so he... Um, yeah, he also uh, he went through this whole process, and we, we did summer stock together uh, in between college uh, years. A lot of us did that; it was common. We would do summer stock, uh, be, you know, between junior senior year of college, or between sophomore junior year or freshman sophomore year, something like that. Uh, and then after senior year, it was kind of time to find more of those long term jobs uh, if you can. So yeah, right, right, right. There there are a bunch of us uh, who have been down I there. Gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that's a lot of people. Yeah, and those are just the people that, that I went to school with, um, or just a handful of them that I named at least. Uh, there were, you know, uh, dozens, you know, beforehand and, and, and ones that I didn't even mention uh, that, that have come along the way. So, yeah. Right, right, right. And so right after college, you went straight with the Gervin Hansen National Tour, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pretty much. I I was in the rarely un, uh, rarely uh, unusual and fortunate position uh, to actually have the gig booked and lined up before I had even graduated. I knew I was graduating. I was a few months out, but I had started auditioning uh, just a few months before graduation, and the callback process and everything just kind of lined up where if I was graduating in May, I knew that I was doing the show in some capacity uh, by by February of my senior year. So it, it really just worked out like so perfectly like a like a big perfect bow was just wrapped around my college experience uh like that it was it was really wild and that that doesn't happen to a lot of people and i i realized and recognize that doesn't happen to, to most people so i i tried to just not think about it and and was grateful for every second and and uh it was really really a, a special time for sure yeah 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 now how was going on the road with david hansen because you guys went to a lot of places. yeah yeah we played about 25 uh cities in that first year on tour and going on tour was really really special uh mostly because this was the first national tour not only did we get to rehearse the show uh, as a new company in a studio with the director and all the writers uh and really kind of like remount the show and it was the first time they'd been in a studio reworking the show and doing table work like that since it had first opened but also uh it was the first time the show was going to all these different cities so when we went to denver and la and san francisco and boston and chicago and all these amazing huge cities in the country it was really the first time the cities had seen this musical in their town uh so it felt very personal for them uh, it felt very much like you know they were getting the show just for them, uh, and unless someone had visited New York before then to see that specific show, they hadn't seen the show before. So it was really cool, kind of being the first cast to play that show. And for a lot of people that ended up seeing us, it was like we were their first experience of the show. Uh, there were a ton of people that, that came in LA, like Tom Hanks and Troy Sivan and and Adam Scott and all these these famous people that hadn't seen the show before. And you know they would come backstage after and be like, oh my gosh, you know I'd never seen the show before. And it's it, it was crazy for me to think like, oh my gosh, you're uh, I'm the first like person that you saw play Jared Kleiman in Dear Evan Hansen. That's so funny. Uh, that's so crazy to me um, that like I was your first experience with the show. Um, so that's really cool and something that I'll definitely carry with me for uh, for the rest of my days. As, as something really special and i know exactly how that feels because you were my first jared on broadway and we're going to talk about that right now oh my gosh 
<laughs> how um basically the whole tour cast just kind of transferred to Broadway. A lot of us did, yeah, a lot of us did, and that was a lot of fun and uh, and really uh, an interesting process too. Um, because uh, it was actually it was more it was about half of us I think um, yeah. I, I moved Phoebe moved over who played Alana uh, and Christiane and Jessica who played both the mothers had moved over as well um, and uh, you know the cool thing about that was we were getting to now work with uh, some people we had worked with before and were familiar with and we also had new folks to work with as well and I always loved working with new folks I loved going on stage with an understudy uh, every so often when it would happen because it does happen uh, where people get sick and have to call out or they have something to, somewhere to go um, it keeps you really on your toes and it keeps you listening and it keeps you engaged and it keeps you present when you have someone else uh, wearing that blue polo or whatever the costume might be um, and you see someone else in that track it just it keeps you kind of focused and present so I love it um, I, I love when that happens uh, and it was really uh, cool working with different people like that uh, you know the the tour you know the transition from tour to Broadway was interesting because we at least for me uh, and a few of us we had left the tour Maybe it was the end of September. We had about two weeks off, kind of as a vacation. And then for about two weeks, we had a, a small rehearsal process, which was very, very different from the tour rehearsal process, where it was launching the, the first national tour. In, in this instance, we were, uh, rather than launching, we were uh, replacing uh, the, the folks who were leaving in the Broadway company. So uh, what that meant was a, a smaller rehearsal process. It was us working mostly with the understudies at that point and just a stage manager rather than the director and the writers because at this point uh, they're, they're off doing whatever other projects they're doing. Uh, so there's not as much time for that hands-on kind of experience that we had when we were launching the tour, doing the table work and, and, and so, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, we, we really just, the replacement process, uh, if this is making any sense, you know, we rehearsed only our scenes, only our moments uh, with, you know, associate directors and choreographers and stage managers. And right. then the, the, I guess it's, it's the Friday, maybe, the Friday, the Friday before the Tuesday where we had started our Broadway runs. Uh, we had a put-in, which is basically, you know, the people that are replacing are in full costume and do all their qu quick changes, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and the rest of the company comes in for just that one rehearsal, and they're not even in costume, but they're in their mics, and we pretty much run through the show, or we run through whatever moments uh, need to be run through, and that's the put-in process. And then the other fun thing is, you know, we... Uh, actors also got to do the put-ins for other Broadway folks that had left uh, as we were there. So when I was uh, on the uh, Broadway production, Andrew Feldman and Alex Boniello had left, so I got to do the put-ins for their replacements, which were Jordan Fisher and David Jeffrey as they came in. Uh, so you know that's that's an interesting process as well when you're doing someone else's put-in uh, and you're not in costume and just have your mic on and you're kind of like all right you're you know helping show them the ropes and make sure they're they're uh, they're gonna have a smooth transition process into the company uh so those are some inside scoops onto how that works that must feel really good now do you remember the first time that they told you oh you guys are going to broadway 
I do. Uh, it was kind of midway through the tour uh, where they were telling us, you know, we really like your uh, your work here, and we want you to uh, to uh, join the Broadway company next uh, next year. And that felt really good. It felt like kind of uh, uh, I was I guess I was doing the right uh, the right things every night. And uh, you know, again, uh, it's kind of not one is better or worse or or whatever. Uh, it's just it it is um, two different experiences, two very different experiences. In in certain ways, the tour is incredibly uh, glamorous, getting to visit different cities and some and some theaters that are like humongo and have humongo dressing rooms and and showers and bathrooms and like. Uh, you know, nuts, nuts. Uh, you know, in, I'm thinking of like theaters in Vegas and even in Boston and and all these other, other cities. And then you get to these Broadway theaters and they're like teeny, teeny, tiny because they were built really, really long ago. And there's like no crossover backstage and and uh, uh, it's a it's just a very different experience. But they're both really incredible experiences for for different reasons, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, the tour is unbelievable because you get to visit all these different cities. You get to try all these different foods. You get to you know really you know plop in uh, each week or each three weeks or however long the run is in each city and you you kind of are the main event in town and that's a that's a really cool feeling too uh to be like you know the the big hot show that's rolling in um for for a limited time and then on Broadway, of course, you're on Broadway, so there's a, a really magical element for that as well. Uh, when you're, you know, one of the 40 famous theaters in a in a small, uh, you know, few block radius, uh, and you're all performing and making magic and music every night. I mean, that's an unbelievable sensation as well. Uh, and for me, I'm I'm from the New York, New Jersey area, so this feels like my home, my people as well. So that's really cool. It was cool having. I think for me, there were more family and friends that were able to kind of visit me on Broadway, but also going on tour, it's like I know people that live in other cities just from life and my other experiences, so so that was cool reconnecting with, with other friends and folks that wanted to visit as well. Uh, so yeah. Right. Now, did you visit um, North Carolina on the tour or somewhere in that area? I did, yeah. We went to two cities in North Carolina. We went to Raleigh-Durham and... Uh, and Charlotte and Raleigh Durham was the one closest to Elon so I had a lot of professors uh, come see me that that it only taught me a year before really and they got to see me in the show and a lot of friends that I, I still had that were there at that point because I was only a year out or, or less really at that point and I had had a few memories of going to Raleigh Durham uh, or uh, uh, DPAC, the Durham Performing Arts Center, to yeah. see some shows uh, on tour while I was in college. Um, I didn't grow up seeing a lot of touring shows because I was so close to Broadway, so I would usually see shows on Broadway. But, you know, one experience I recall, I guess it was my sophomore year of college, I remember seeing the beautiful tour which had just launched and someone who had just graduated the uh, year before, her name was Nasia, super, super talented, has done a slew of Broadway shows. She was uh, she had, had just booked the uh, beautiful tour right out of school, so I got to see her in that show uh, and that was like a cool experience and, you know, and then it was only a few years later later that I had graduated and was kind of doing the same thing. So it was it was cool uh, kind of going back to, to that location for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 I mean, it sounds cool to me. So that's, that's good. Now, do you remember your first, obviously you remember, like who doesn't, but your first night actually on Broadway when the curtain, you know, well, the curtain doesn't rise up, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, I do. You know, there was almost this, uh, you know, um, sensation of, like, getting through it that first night uh, because it was, like, my first time doing it in almost a month, and, you know, it felt like doing it in another city on tour, but with a slightly different backstage traffic. Um, Like, I was still trying to figure out the traffic pattern of the music box theater, but the backstage uh, traffic and how that all worked. Um, you know, on tour, the backstage pat- uh, traffic pattern has to change slightly depending on where you are, but uh, and what the theater looks like. But you know, we would do all our changes in the quick change booths on tour, um, and on Broadway, you would change in your dressing room unless the change was super super fast. Uh, so it was kind of just figuring out some of that traffic. And I remember uh, by the time I had gotten, you know, just before the finale, which was the last moment I had to do in the show, um, I was like, okay, I I made it. That's it. Um, and it and it was it was done like that. And I remember like going over to take my bow and being like, all right, this is it. This is my first Broadway bow. And you know, it really just felt like doing the show again, but on another uh, on another stage. You know, and at that point, I had done the show in twenty five different cities. So if the twenty sixth was was back in in New York City, it felt kind of just like I was coming back home uh, and doing the show again. So. It, uh, it it felt more or less the same. You know, one of the other big notice uh, changes I, I noticed about the Broadway company was just the stage is raked, meaning it's 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 elevated slightly uh, to so that the projections that are lit up on the floor are a little more visible uh, for the audience because uh, the show does have some really cool projections. Um, and on tour, they just don't do that because a it's a little too difficult to travel, and b um, the sight lines in those larger theaters are, are good enough anyway where you can see the floor projections. Uh, so that was just something to get used to because uh, after a while I noticed you know, walking and singing and dancing a little bit on a raked stage, it starts to pull at your lower back just a tiny bit. So that's why it's good we got some, some physical therapy at the theater in case we ever need it or are feeling uh, some pain. I have a, have a massage gun just to in case I ever need to kind of loosen up. I get tense uh, everywhere. So uh, it's just it's good to keep breathing and staying loose. Um, it's it's just good for the for the art form, I, I believe. Right. Yeah. So do you you have everything set for when it is time to go back to Broadway, or do you think that you're going to need some extra rehearsal? Yeah, it's a yes and no. You know, in some ways, I, I feel like I, I still know the show off the top of my head, but in, in other ways, I, it's like, oh, it's almost been a year, and I, I think there has been a lot of discussion amongst uh, all um, all Broadway producers and the, the Broadway League at large that shows will just have to simply re-rehearse and re-tech the shows because they don't really design these shows to just shut down for months and months on end. Uh, you know, I, I think the last thing anyone wants is, you know, the dragon at Wicked or the chandelier at Phantom of the Opera actually falling down. Uh, so I think people are going to want to, uh, producers, are they're, they're going to be expecting a, a new tech process and a new rehearsal process. And in, in case there are any cast changes, they'll definitely have to account for that. So, um, um, yeah, I, I think uh, there will definitely be a rehearsal process for sure. Right. Um, so I have the playbill here with me, and this is from when I went to go see the show. I went to go see it in, like, January. So it was like COVID was, like, around, but it wasn't, like, We had heard of it, but we weren't exactly terrified and didn't know what was going to happen, yes. <laughs> Exactly, like stage doors were still happening, and I think mm-hmm. it was around this time, like March, where we started to do the whole fist pump thing, thing, and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, yeah, I remember meeting you at the stage door, 
Uh, that's that's you right there, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's me right up there. Mm-hmm. So, did your autograph change at all from when you first started to to this point? Because yeah, that's a great question. You have yeah. to do it times that it's like I'm curious. Does it change? Yeah, I think eventually, you know, when when I really started feeling it was uh, uh, every two twice a season, twice a year for Broadway Cares, they would have these large, uh, you know, Broadway Cares. Um, I don't even know how to call it, but there, we we would have cast signing signing parties at the show where you know we'd bring in a bunch of pizza and it would be usually between a two show day and you know we bring a, a bunch of posters and playbills and whatever memorabilia and everyone just signs you know a hundred playbills, a hundred posters or whatever it is. It's some crazy amount and then you know we sell them and then all the proceeds go directly toward uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, uh, which is a, a huge organization uh, amongst the Broadway. Uh, the Broadway community so um, yeah during that time is when I think I probably realized like okay maybe I, I don't have time to write J-I-A-R-E-D-G-O-L-D uh, and kind of made it more of a J-G uh, for, for that um, though I don't I don't really endorse checks like that uh, I feel like that's my, my stage door <laughs> autograph or whatever um, to, to keep it simple and somewhat personalized uh, but I, I do recall one of my friends looking at me, you know, before I, I left for the tour, being like, hey, before you end up signing hundreds of autographs on tour this year, you might want to figure out what your signature is going to be uh, so that you can make it quick and, and easy, uh, especially when you do those stage door uh, lines. And little did, did we know that the stage door lines are, are so not a thing right, right now. Um, and I, I don't know if they will be in the future. That's crazy because I have literally pictures and pictures and stage door experiences and those are the, the that's like the like it's so fun to just have yeah. with people meet different people and i know it, it's it's very it's exhausting especially for you guys you just did a whole show um but did you do stage door often yeah i tried to do it uh, unless i was really busy with something or maybe it was raining uh, i typically didn't if it was like pouring rain or uh, mainly because it's you, they, the the sharpies don't really work in the rain on on the wet paper. Um, yeah. But if it's a nice night, it's not too cold, and you know I don't I, I like doing it. You know I, I sort of feel guilty not doing it because there's that part of me that does feel or think of you know the the young person that might be seeing theater. It might be their first experience, and they really want to have a, a memorable experience after the show. Um, it's true. It's not really the actor's job to to do that. Uh, but I don't I don't I personally don't really have an issue with it. Um, you know, again, I, I was probably the type of person that was bringing my own Sharpie and had hand sanitizer anyway, uh, even before all this COVID stuff had happened. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think there's some joy doing it. And, and, you know, especially when you get caught in, you know, uh, the, um, what's the word, the routine uh, of doing eight shows a week. Uh, it's nice to see different faces each uh, performance at the stage door uh, of people who had different experiences. It, it helps to kind of keep it fresh and remind you, oh right, there's someone experiencing this for the first time every single performance, which is why you know it needs to count. It needs to be authentic and honest and organic every performance uh, from 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 our end, from the actor's end. And that, uh, yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Now, when you weren't able to do stage door, and I know uh, Jordan Fisher major popularity would he ever like like i know stage door can be a lot with like big people like jordan fisher in the cast and you're just signing a bunch you like pass me that pass me this it could be exhausting so did you ever 
like go through the back through the Hamilton little secret entrance? I'm trying to think. I, I'm sure there was one time where I did, uh, you know, if maybe I had somewhere to go or, you know, I was trying yeah. to go out to the bar that night maybe <laughs> uh, or what, whatever it might have been. Usually, for the most part, um, you know, I had enough time and I'd be like, all right, let me sign real quick and then we'll be on our way. Uh you know, I tried to do it. Even Jordan would try and do it when he could. But, you know, again, it's it's one of those things if you're tired and, you know, for me, I always felt like, you know, I was playing Jared. I wasn't playing Evan, so it wasn't quite as taxing. So I had less of an excuse anyway. Uh, and I, you know, again, like I said, I like doing it. I like connecting a little. Um, it's a nice it's a nice thing to do. And people are often usually appreciative. Uh, and and, and uh, I, it's rare that I meet someone that's you know, rude or, or, or disrespectful. So uh, I, typically if they're there, they want to be there. So I, I'd like to be there too. You know, I, I liked my job there and, and that's, uh, you know, even though that's not part of the job, you know, the, the show is the job. It's a nice uh, sort of reminder, I think, um, of just uh, how special it is. Yeah. And how it really touches people. Right. Um, now, I, it was like so also. You mentioned you not being Evan, not being an excuse. Your vocal, like, ranges in that show, it's, like, crazy. I don't even know how you can do that. And I was looking at your resume, and it even <laughs> – it says weird noises and sounds. And I think that it's absolutely hilarious that you put that in there. But, like, you do have to reach some high notes, some dancing points in the show. It's a – yeah. It's, yeah, it's, you know, Jared, I think compared to Evan is a bit of a, you know, princess track and that he's, he's doing less, he sings less, he's on stage less, but the reality is he does sing as high, uh, and, you know, he has to, he has to sing as well as Evan, it's why so many of the understudies will understudy Evan, Connor, and Jared, and they basically have to know the entire show, and they have to be really good singers, and they have to sing really high up, I think that's absolutely the hardest track, I never had to do it, uh, thankfully, um, it, I think it's very, it's very tough, you know, when you're, you're at the drop of a hat, you could have to play Evan, Connor, or Jared, um, you know, that's a, that's really, that's tricky. I really think that's tricky um, because they're they're three very different roles as well. Uh, but yeah, it's you know Jared sings a lot and it's up there. It's B's. It's it's high. It's high notes. But it's um, because he's not on stage as long. I guess uh, is where I feel like okay, it's uh, you know a bit of a uh, there's time to breathe. Whereas like Evan right. is just constantly screaming and singing and crying and it doesn't leave the stage. I think that's the you know. One thing they always talk about the the people playing Evan is you know balancing drinking enough water but not drinking too much where they have to go to the bathroom in the middle of Act Two or whatever uh, right. because they they don't have a free moment to 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 leave the stage. I, there was always this one moment uh, where Heidi visits the Murphy's house in Act Two where Evan has like thirty seconds to go off stage and run and use the bathroom if he needs to. And you know if you are backstage, it's like you need to not go anywhere near the path that Evan has to get to the bathroom and out because like <laughs> you're gonna get run over or he's gonna collide with you or something bad's gonna happen so right. I always remember like I would see him run and I'd be like oh and I'd like run away and get up against a wall um, now when yeah. I was at the show I can still hear your vocals 
on some of the backing vocals. Did you guys pre-record those, or that was all live backstage, right? Yeah, no, there are, uh, there, so there is a virtual community that sings uh, in You Will Be Found and You Will yeah. Be Found reprise, and uh, a lot of them are, are some, there's some lines, like there are people that say, you know, sending prayers from Michigan and, Ver and Vermont, or uh, there, there are lines that happen in, in the song you, you Will Be Found and You Will Be Found reprise. Um, uh, and a lot of those pre-recorded voices are other Broadway actors and they've or and singers and they've been uh, those pre-recorded voices since the beginning. Jen Kalela's one who's in Come From Away. Uh, Gerard, who was uh, an original understudy for Evan Hansen and was in Groundhog Day and Be More Chill. He's one of them. Uh, Michael Kilgore is another one. They're all listed in the playbill, I believe, under Virtual Community. Um, I think it's is what it's called. Uh, so a few of those are there, but then other than that, it's the six or seven people that are singing "You Will Be Found," and you know it's heavily mixed, and it just uh, it's a lot of singing. It's a lot of high high singing, uh, especially for Jared and Alana during that song. It's a it's a big number to sing for sure. That number is like a wave. It just like when it goes, "You will be found." Everybody's like, "Yeah." It's crazy. Whoa. It's loud, and it's like it's very emotional, and people are usually very touched. It's a very touching Act One finale for sure. Yeah. My mom went over to me. She was like, "Are you are you okay?" Because I was bawling. And, yeah. Uh, the scene where uh, Evan like just breaks down while he's trying to do his speech. That is, that's like I. Do you guys ever get emotional backstage, like watching the show, or has it got something? We can. You know, we try to, I think usually we try to, like, <laughs> sort of not focus too much. You know, one of the big things I liked to preach was leave the show at the theater, uh, you know, when it was done, uh, so that it wouldn't get you too much, because you don't want to take too much of that home with you you know the the some of the themes are very intense obviously you know they're talking about depression and anxiety and and uh and suicide thoughts and you know it's uh it's important to you know make sure you're having a good day and you're still saying staying centered you know a lot of actors playing evan would often say you know some people might think it's easier to do the show you know when you know you're having a bad day because you can tap into a character that's having a bad day but the truth is as an actor it's it's usually a lot easier for me to do the show when i'm having a good day and then i can i can access whatever place i need to access my mind is clear i can kind of center myself um so you know it it was pretty rare i think that i would be like you know listening or watching words fail backstage and and sobbing along um i would listen though i would always listen and uh, the speaker would be going on backstage, um, and usually during Evan's breakdown moment, I would be off stage, uh, getting ready to go on for You'll Be Found, probably drinking a lot of water, maybe stretching, um, you know, usually trying to stay quiet in some way. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but, you know, my next moment, if I'm remembering my track correctly now, uh, was not like a, a sad emotional moment. So it wasn't like I was trying to get into that place anyway. So I think for me, it was just trying to focus on what was Jared Kleinman, other Jared, thinking mm -hmm. or and, and doing and getting ready to, to do in that moment. Now, if I recall, your scenes aren't that, that like, I don't know how to describe it, like sad, like sad, you know, like... You're a very yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if uh, if Jared is similar to Evan in you know his loneliness, he certainly copes in 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 different ways. He copes and kind of masks with humor, uh, and that's sort of 
uh, how he deals with uh, with his uh, version of, of loneliness, I, I suppose. Um, but yeah, he is definitely the comic relief of the show. He provides that comic relief, which I think is really important and necessary, uh, especially when you have a show that is sad and it can make an audience member tear up uh, in the Act 1 finale or Act 2 finale. You know, the audience, I think, feels more comfortable, and this is really to the writer's credit, you know, when you can set someone up with laughter and they feel really comfortable, like they're, they're able to go along for the ride, it kind of, they trust you and they'll listen more, and then it's that much more gut-punching and heart-wrenching when uh, they get to that sad moment and, they, and they watch, they're watching that sad moment and they really can go along uh, with the show and just kind of be vulnerable to the the story if that makes any sense yeah. uh, so I think it's it's often very important to have that comedic relief to set the audience up so that they're comfortable uh, for those those sadder moments now how much do you see Jared in Jared mm great question great question uh, a bit you know uh, obviously the our names are the same they're spelled the same um, you know, Jared makes all these jokes about how he went to summer camp and, and, you know, he makes a bunch of funny, like, Jewish culture references, which is very up my alley. It's very fun. Uh, so I definitely feel a connection, uh, to him, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I think I was a lot more like Jared Kleinman probably when I was 17 versus, you know, 22, 23, 24 year old. However, uh, I'd like to think I'm a little bit nicer than, than Jared Kleinman. Jared Kleinman can get a little bit mean, a little bit yeah. nasty, uh, a little bit uh, tormenting, um, though he doesn't really mean it. But, you know, I, I'd like to think I'm a little bit nicer. Uh, that's just me. And uh, uh, his character coping as well. Yes, with, totally. With, uh, it's, it's attitude and everything. Yeah. Like the uh, playful bully. And I don't I think bully might even be a harsh word. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, playful teasing, um, you know, the one person, you know, he feels he can kind of pick on uh, because there's no one else uh, or he'll get picked on himself, I, I guess. Uh, so I, I definitely found some similarities for sure. But uh, again, you know, tried to separate and differentiate, you know, who is Jared one and two. Um, and, and definitely know when I'm stepping into the life of a, another character because, you know, like I was saying, it's best to not bring too much of the show home with you. Uh, and I think we all carry that with us. We're, we're human beings. Any actor is still a human being anyway. So obviously it's personal. It's personalized. And that personality is what makes it powerful and, and, and fun to watch uh, with, with any performance. Uh, but yeah. And that and that's good that you're able to um, you know, separate Jared from Jared, um, but still have you know some similarities. Now, who was like the first one in the theater? Because I know the whoever played Evan, like throughout the run, Ben Platt, everybody that played Evan. I know they had to actually get the cast on. Yeah, like, that yeah, was yeah. it. Wasn't like a slip on. They did the whole thing. Yeah, that's a real cast. That is a real cast that Evan would get into at the start of half hour before the show, uh, and it would remain unsigned, uh, and then uh, Connor would, would sign it at some point throughout the show. I won't give too much away. And, um, and yeah, he always just had to be in a cast, and then at intermission it would get sawed off of his arm, and uh, for, for special Broadway Cares events, we would actually raffle off the, uh, the cast, which was a lot of fun, and people would often want to take one home with them. 
so yeah, uh, it's kind of a, a nice little memento, and it's like a fun little ritual for any actor that got to play Evan was getting the cast on. And usually if like an understudy was joining the company or whatever, they would get fitted for a cast. And it was the person who did hair and uh, hair and wigs actually would always uh, be in charge of the cast. That was some equity rule, I believe, about an appendage or something uh, attached to the skin. I, I'm not 100% sure what the protocol is, but it was always the, the hair and wigs person that would do that uh, and would always do a good job, yeah. Did you ever take home a cast? I did take home a cast at the end of the tour as I was leaving, and I had the entire company sign it. Um, and it was always fun to kind of uh, see the difference between uh, uh, each actor's cast and how it would look. Uh, ben Ross, who played Evan on the tour, had these really uh, had really small arms, and it would just look <laughs> like a small cast when it right. would come off of his arm. Uh, so it was always fun to kind of look at that. Uh, and look at oh his arms like you know he's he's got a bulky arm he's you know he's got a muscle arm or like he's got a smaller I don't know it was it was always um, it was always kind of fun yeah, to see yeah. that. <laughs> and I know a lot of people like Zendaya and Gaten Matarazzo came to the Broadway production as well. So like you were saying earlier, it must have been cool that that was the first you know Jared that they saw. Yeah, or or uh, even at that point, they might have seen the show at some point, but it was still, you know, always very fun to meet them. I, I always loved uh, when they would say, "We have a special guest in the in the the blue room." It was called uh, at our theater uh, tonight. Uh, uh, you know, Zendaya is here with uh, with her boyfriend from Euphoria, and we're all like, "Oh my gosh, no way! Oh, I love that! I gotta go meet her and say hi and like take a picture with her, even though like I'm kind of sweaty and gross, but like I want to introduce her or I want to introduce myself and." say hello, you know, hope you enjoyed the show, and it's so funny, because, you know, they're like, we're coming to see you, but, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they came to see us, you know, so that's a a very funny, um, I I don't even know what the word is, but it's just a funny circumstance, (laughs) and I always always love when stuff like that happens, it's always a blast, um, and it's kind of... Now, being on Broadway, you can't go see other Broadway shows. So how, yeah, not unless they're playing on an off night or something, yeah. Exactly. So how many shows were you able to see during your run of Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway? Oh, that's a great question. I'm trying to think now. I definitely saw the West Side Revival last year at some point, and I I know the last Broadway show I saw was the Company Revival last year. Uh, it was the Monday before Broadway had shut down. I remember I had actually, because March usually is the uh, month where a lot of shows enter previews, or uh, they start previews to prep for that Tony Awards season. Uh, and I had tickets for a couple different shows on Monday nights. Uh, I think I had tickets for Girl from the North Country on a Monday night and for Mrs. Doubtfire on a Monday night. And, I, I, and Company was, I think, one of the only ones I got to see. Uh, and I saw it the Monday before everything had shut down. Um, right. So I'd say I saw maybe, oh yeah, I saw To Kill a Mockingbird maybe the week before. Uh, uh, was there one other I saw maybe? Um, mm, yeah, I feel like in the in the six-ish months that I was doing the show on Broadway, there were probably five-ish Broadway shows I was, I, I was able to see, five or less. Um, I'm just a theater nerd anyway and enjoy going to those shows anyway, so I, I liked that. Yeah. Uh, but it is tough, you know, a lot of actors, you know, the other thing is it's kind of like, oh, you're doing a show eight times a week, and really on your, your off night, you want to go sit in the theater, it's, it's a, it sometimes is a tough sell when you look at it that way, um, exactly. kind of depends, yeah. Now, when you went to go see Company, that's when they were like, 
kind of dialing things back. Oh, we're not going to do stage door. Yeah, I I think actually at that point the stage door was still a thing, but guests backstage had officially been uh, canceled, uh, okay. so to speak. They were not allowing backstage guests, and I think. Yeah, I don't think the stage door actually got canceled until maybe the night or two nights before it had all shut down. I know. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I know Mean Girls did shut down like the night before Broadway shut down because I remember Sabrina Carpenter just started her run in Mean That's Girls right. like two days, and like everybody was going to see. Oh, Sabrina Carpenter! Everybody was so excited because you know we've grown up with her seeing her on TV, Garmy's World, and then. There's like that's oh you're going to meet her and then oh there's no more stage door and like again there's that's not an actor's job but it was it's it is an enjoyable thing to do and I think that anybody who does love theater and love loves everything about it knows that that is really fun so yeah, yeah. It, it is probably kind of a bummer and do you miss connecting with the fans or even doing the show like obviously oh yeah them. oh yeah you know doing the show every night w- became such a a ritual and such a great yeah it was just a it, it was always a great way to end my day uh even if i didn't do anything really that day other than kind of rest up from the night before you know if that was the only thing i'd done that that day it was it was always the highlight of my day it really always was uh so i definitely miss doing the show i miss people seeing the show and experiencing it i think a lot of people needed it and probably still could use it uh you know in during this difficult time even though it, we're talking about two completely different uh you know uh tough circumstances mm-hmm. um but yeah i i totally miss it and I, I i'm sure everyone not just in the cast but the crew and the musicians and you know even the the creatives that that made it and weren't necessarily at the theater watching every night uh but would pop in maybe once a month or once every other week or you know just knowing that their story was being experienced by people night after night you know thousands you know whether it was in new york or on tour or in london or wherever it might have been uh i i i think everyone is really feeling this just they miss it, you know. They yeah. they really do, uh, and there's kind of nothing anyone can do about it right now at the moment. It's very, it's definitely different because I used to go see a, one or two Broadway shows a month. Fortunately, yeah. I'm more fortunate to be able to go do that. Um, now you mentioned that the creators like common stepped in, like into the theater a couple times to see what was going on. How how often did the um, Pasek and Paul come on in? You know, when they were available, they you know. After Evan Hansen, obviously, they, they began getting very busy, uh, whether it was writing music for Aladdin or, you know, writing music for The Greatest Showman or uh, other other movies, uh, film and TV opportunities, uh, obviously lots of opportunities, um, which is amazing for them. But, you know, typically, uh, definitely when there was a put-in, especially for, for Evan, like when Jordan was... Uh, was stepping in was was replacing uh, Andrew Feldman it uh you know all the creatives really came back the choreographer and Pasek and Paul and uh and Stephen Levinson the book writer and Michael uh Greif our director um you know everyone came back to you know just make sure everything was running smoothly and working well and typically yeah whenever there was a new a new Evan or a new cast member of some kind they would maybe pop in you know as they could and as they were free uh to just take notes give notes um just you know make sure the show is 
working and running the way they envisioned it um, because that's important to them. It's it's their show as well. Uh, so mostly when there's a new Evan, uh, it's when I think it's like all eyes kind of are on. Even Alex Lacamoire, you know, he comes back, uh, who does arrangements and uh, vocal arrangements and orchestrations, musical genius, you know. Uh, they they want to make sure everything's running smoothly, even though they're they're busy with other projects. You know, they this is what keeps them busy. It's it's this is another project that they have to come in and check on. Right. And speaking of projects, ever since Broadway has shut down, I know you've turn to TikTok, turn to your Twitch gaming. We see that you're live on TikTok every night doing your gaming <laughs> thing, and I like that. And all of Jared's links will be in the description below. Um, but yeah, so I've seen a lot of Broadway stars after this whole pandemic hit turn into like real estate agents and all these different things. Is that something that, like doing anything else besides Broadway right now, is that something you've thought about? Yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about. You know, I think I'm I'm more interested, perhaps, in like a, a more creative, like some some creative or, or writing position that might be behind the table, or something uh, that I guess doesn't require you to maybe be at a theater every night. You know, performing live, especially in an age where we're finding it's sometimes not even possible to do live theater. Um, obviously, as it's as it's been for now about a year, but you know, I I think. Everyone's trying to find their uh, their outlet and what works right now. Uh, like I was kind of saying at the beginning, um, I don't know if I'm going to be looking into something like real estate or, uh, or or something like that. But I I definitely you know I've been busy with with the writing. Like I was saying, I, I've been writing this musical uh, Mazkapan for the last four-ish years. Yeah. And uh, and my my buddy Adam, who I'd mentioned earlier, we'd met at summer camp, and he actually was one of the associate directors on Dear Evan Hansen uh, oh. since it had started off-Broadway. And that was a, a, a very funny coincidence as well, um, just uh, in that we got to work on that show together a little bit. Uh, but the two of us have worked on Mazkapan. Last January, before the pandemic, we went to Texas State University where we got to workshop it for about a week. Really, really incredibly magical experience. and. Because of the pandemic, we actually had time where even when we weren't together virtually, uh, we were able to still work together on this musical and keep finessing it, keep editing it, keep writing new material, keep writing new music, writing things that worked um, to really get it right. And we were able to have a virtual workshop through Texas State University again uh, this past fall uh, with their students who are incredibly talented. So that was a, a really great uh, working experience or just kind of outlet to have during this COVID time. And uh, on top of that, the two of us have been writing just regular kind of pop music together that we're going to be releasing very soon. Uh, and there's going to be a couple songs releasing. The first, which will be coming out on March 26th this month. It's very, very exciting. I hope that everyone will uh, tune in and listen. It'll be on Spotify and Apple and wherever you can consume music. So that's going to be super, super, super exciting. Uh, and uh, we can't wait for, for people to, to, to hear it, especially because, you know, we've been working on this musical Mazkapan which is great, and we love it, and we've been working on it for a while. Uh, but the, the 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 truth is, you know, it's a musical, and musicals aren't really uh, happening. And new musicals, it's yeah. you know, it's tough to to really get them launched and off the ground right now. So you know, I think the the fact that we're working towards something uh, with this pop music that's uh, that's got like a, a finished um, a, a finished date kind of on the line, you know, and we'll actually have a finished product to show people uh, is really exciting for both of us as uh, as collaborators and writers together. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about the musical? Because musical, because when I feel like when people take a first look at it, like the name is so unique, and like the song, like the titles, "Peanut Butter and Jelly." I believe that that was that. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, one of the songs. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. Of course. So Maz Capania, we wanted something that had a, a real zing to it, maybe a Z, a K, a P, some consonants, uh, and we love the zing to it. Maz Capan, it's, uh, it's a new world, and it tells the story of two best friends uh, named Ralph and Harry, very much like uh, myself and Adam. Uh, and it tells the story of Ralph and Harry, who uh, are two best friends, and they find themselves stuck in this magical town called Maz Capan, uh, which is entirely populated by singing and dancing Maisies, uh, who are the creatures that inhabit Mazcapan, uh, and the Maisies are uh, singing and dancing puppets, uh, but they're called the Maisies. And the Maisies look at Ralph and Harry, these two humans that have arrived in their town called Mazcapan, and they say, oh my gosh, you don't look like us. And you must be the Messiah of Mazcapan, and you've come here to save our town from the horrible drought that was cursed upon us uh, years ago, and uh, you're going to bring rain back to the town of Mazcapan, and you're going to make it rain, and you are the Messiah of Mazcapan. And now Ralph and Harry have to assume the role of the Messiah uh, of Mazcapan and uh, and promise to bring the rain. And that's kind of the basic setup. Along the way, uh, they meet a bunch of uh, a bunch of fun fun characters, such as uh, the Mysterio of Mazcapan, uh, who's the li uh, the wise, uh, learned keeper of magic, and she believes that Ralph and Harry are exactly who they say they are, and will restore. Uh, uh, reign to the town. They meet the minister of Mazcapan, who is evil and sinister and believes the two are imposters and they're not who they say they are. And the minister has a daughter named Brooke who takes a liking to Harry. It's a, uh, we play into all these classical musical theater tropes. Uh, we love it dearly. I could go on and on, but I'll try not to give too, too much away. Uh, right. But yeah, that's that's a, a bit on Mazcapan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it definitely does sound awesome. Great concept. And it's so good that you guys were able to, you know, develop it more and more throughout this time to, you know, keep you guys busy. But yeah. um, so you've also turned to TikTok, posting a lot of TikTok. You have over 400K followers on TikTok. Yeah. Million views. You, you hit the fan with your lemonade video, which I think everybody has seen. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, it's something that really came out of, again, this kind of boredom and state of like, eh, maybe I'll turn it on. I think I first officially downloaded the app and started posting on it sometime in March of last year. So I guess it's been about a year. Um, but I think somewhere around, you know, the summer or whatever, I wasn't really that active on it. And it wasn't until maybe the fall where I started saying, all right, why don't I, why don't I get back on this TikTok thing? I'll see what happens. A couple weeks later, I, I started just kind of doing some, some covers of, of songs in my own way that were already popular TikTok sounds. And, and of course, yeah, some of them like the lemonade one just kind of blew up ridiculously. And it, it almost makes me, makes me somewhat mad that like that's uh the thing that that gets people's attention uh when you know you're working on like writing your own musical for for four years before then but i also think it's kind of just delightfully hilarious that uh, that is what happened and uh, you know 
I I think if if it's something that people enjoy and they enjoy seeing uh, a, a little song piano cover on their on their for you page on TikTok and it brings a little smile, then I think that's great, especially in a time where people are uh, experience all, experiencing all this uncertainty and they don't they don't know what's going on. So you know what I, I think it's 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 all good and it's 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 great and it's fun and. It's TikTok. It's a wild algorithm and a wild app that no one quite knows what's going on. And there's still this giddiness of like, oh, I could blow up and something. This video could blow up. And it's it's wild. It's really wild. You know what? You did exactly that. It had over 19 million people <laughs> watching. Ridiculous. And I don't know. I don't know what that number even looks like. You know, like I when you say 19 million, like. Wow, that sounds like a lot. You know, I, I can barely fathom that, you know? <laughs> and for anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm going to play the clip of Jared <laughs> on the piano with Lemonade really quick. Bitches say, hey, you can't miss what you never had. Hey, hey, off the juice, juice, got in me, got your man. Cup of goop, goop, all got proof is missing. Ice, ice, lemonade, my neck was dripping. Ice, ice, lemonade, my neck was dripping. You just can't. You just can't make that up. It's just so ridiculous. But it's so crazy ridiculous. Your vocals, your vocals still sound so good in that video. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I I definitely appreciated uh, for me personally was just the fact that I was able to use TikTok as an excuse of like, well, if I sing on it, at least I can you know guarantee I'm gonna you know hold myself to account on warming up. And you know, vocalizing and making sure I'm keeping my vocal chops still uh, accessible and uh, healthy and uh, in shape and kind of you know, it's 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 a muscle. It's your voice is a muscle, so it's like going to the gym and it's just keeping it up up and keeping it in shape. Um, especially when you know we've had this Broadway shutdown and I was vocalizing and warming up every day before every show, every performance. So it, I think that uh, aspect of just kind of feeling like I'm still performing almost because um, in in many ways you know TikTok it's like America's Got Talent it's like right. this this modern vaudeville uh, yeah. on everyone's phones on on their screens it's the most watched screen I'm sure people are looking at all day it's the, it's their iPhones you know I mean everybody's seen your face so I mean that that was <laughs> right no because you popped up on everybody's for you page it's so odd yeah it's just so odd to me that that became another another outlet and you know what i think it's fun and i think it's funny and i i think it's great um so yeah and that is a good <laughs> yeah. reminder to everybody out there because i know my personally i haven't sung in a really long time and like you said the voice is the muscle so we have to to keep up with that or else it's just gonna you know it's not gonna sound as, as great as we need it to sound sure do our performance that that is a very good reminder for people and on the flip side it's a muscle so you know if if it has been some time like you can you can get it back into shape you know the same way you can always you know you can get back to the gym and you can you can do that so anyway yeah. right 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 so now we are going to segue into um, a little game that I like to call Guess the Musical. So basically what it is, I'm going to be showing little portions of playbills up on the screen, and you have 30 seconds to guess them. Okay. I'm either right. going to be great at this or horrible, so let's find out. <laughs> There's only a couple shows, so let's see how many you can get in 30 okay. seconds. All right, here's Guess the Musical. 
All right, here we go. 30 seconds is going up on the clock. Here is your first image. Wicked. Mean Girls. Waitress. Beetlejuice. Hamilton. <laughs> Book of Mormon. Evan Hansen. There you go. 17 seconds. Hey! <laughs> 17 seconds. I have to record that. You... That's that's gonna be on the leaderboard chart. <laughs> all right, all right. I hope someone I hope someone beats me. I I, I hope I someone think, beats me. I have, add, I have to add more. You were too good at that. <laughs> that was funny. But um, yeah. So like Jared said, make sure to check out his music. All of his links and everything will be down below. Um, he's on Instagram, Twitch. Obviously, watch out for the gaming and everything like that. But Jared, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, Jared, thank you for having me. Any, any time. So thank you guys once again, and we will see you on next week's episode. Thanks, guys.